Okay, this, this is a heavy one. This season, we've been asking what we can learn about the internal world of growing up evangelical by listening to the lyrics of Christian hardcore. Today, I'm wondering, can we learn anything about some of the factors that seem to drive Aaron Long, the Atlanta shooter, to kill eight people? Welcome to the Prophetic Imagination Station podcast. My name is Crispin Mayfield, and I'm a therapist. I'm D.L. Mayfield, a writer and neighbor. And together we discuss evangelical artifacts from the 80s and 90s. This is season six, and we're calling it Shame Core Records. It's almost funny. We weren't allowed to listen to secular music because it talked about sex and drugs and violence. But the music I listened to talked a lot about sex. Well, at least it seemed to. But of course in a very different way than typical sex, drugs, and rock and roll. It was all about keeping sexually pure and fighting, sometimes fighting violently against temptation. Of course, not all these songs are explicitly about sexual behavior, but when I was 15 and 16 years old, I all felt like it was talking about fighting the temptation to not look at porn or masturbate or have sexual thoughts. And I'd say most of the time, my assumption was right. And I'm going to talk about a lot of these songs, maybe too many, but I thought it was important to take a good survey of what this world was like. So let's start with this song about temptation by a death metal band called Extol. Throughout the song, he talks about infested thoughts, lust dominates, fallen once again, a struggle destined to fail. He really captures this compulsive cycle when he says, anger towards lack of self-control, condemnation, immediate repentance. It's a cycle of trying hard, failing, and then repenting again. And he even comes to the conclusion that there might not be a reason to repent. He says, do I even dare to repent again? Why would you endure this pain? As though God couldn't handle his constant mistakes, which then was a message that we got. God can't handle you continually messing up. It's too painful for God. Or this song, Breaking My Own Heart by Haste the Day, when he talks about trying and failing and saying sorry and failing again, half of the vocals are what we call clean vocals, so I think you'll get the gist. Everything I 
And it's not only porn or masturbation. Here's a song by Under Oath that talks about sex with another person and the sheets of regret. Can you feel your heartbeat racing? Can you taste the fear in your sweat? You've done this wrong, it's too far gone. These sheets tell of regret. I admit that I'm just a fool for you. When I think about being a teenager, I think about the song Stalemate by Project 86, which sounds like a spoken word about trying to not give in to temptation. What can I do but admit I'm in over my head? Colors fade from blue to dark red. Back into a corner by my choices. And I'm hearing those same dark voices. At the mercy of my desires. Helpless, trivial, I'm left with no defenses. And to be honest, after not hearing it for two decades, it still brought up that same flush of shame and anxiety in my body. Knowing I'm on the verge of doing something that will make me feel terrible about myself, but also help me numb the painful emotions. Of course, I didn't have words for it back then. Then there's the song by No Innocent Victim, the title of which would require a trigger warning. And it talks about cycles of indulgence. And in the end, it says, when you indulge in lust, pieces of your soul are torn away. And then some of the songs start talking about possible solutions. And then he said, can I have some candy? This is a song called Eye Candy by a band called Trauma. And this is a song with some solutions. He says, gouge out my eyes, you can no longer consume my thoughts. I miss the beauty of the world, at least I can save my soul. Gouge out my eyes and put them in a small glass jar. A song by Dead Poetic starts off like a worship song. I want to see your eyes. I need to feel your love. And then takes a sharp self-harming turn. Which hand should I cut off? With an attachment framework, this says I have to harm myself before I can get the love that I need from you. I will acknowledge Jesus does talk about gouging out eyes and cutting off hands, but there's a world of difference between a God who says, you have to be perfectly pure before I'll come close, and a God who says, I'll come near to you and help you in your struggle. And then I want to talk about the songs that externalized this struggle. In some way, taking the problem out of myself and placing it on the object of my lust. Focusing on the temptress rather than the person experiencing temptation. This song says, this is a final warning. Guard your heart and soul. Temptation is always waiting, leering in the shadows. The lust in her eyes keeps drawing you near. Her voice forever haunts you. And then lastly, I want to mention this song by Norma Jean, 
who we talked about in the first episode. They have a song based on Proverbs 30:15. The song starts off just quoting the Bible verse. Each with two daughters, give, give, they cry. And then it takes a modern twist. Bullets by the mouthful. And then he screams, she simply will not die. Over and over and over again. A song that seems to be about lust, screaming, she simply will not die, sounds very different to me now than it did when I was 16. So I was knee deep in these songs, so many of which had a powerful impact on my spiritual life as a teenager. And then I saw the news on March 16th. Georgia investigators say that 21-year-old Robert Aaron Long, a white man who they've now charged, is guilty of the deadliest mass murder since 2019. I was grieved and furious to hear about another shooting by a white man, a young Christian man, son of a pastor involved in his church, who commits horrendous violence against mostly Korean-American women. In a year in which violence against Asian-Americans has skyrocketed, presumably at least in part due to the way Trump talked about COVID-19. And then, as details began to emerge and we learned more, there were pieces that began to fit together in a way that made my stomach turn. There was the press conference where Captain Jay Baker infamously said the shooter had had a bad day, a statement that both shed light on the positively biased treatment white men tend to get and failed to show empathy for the victims of the crime. Also during the statement, we hear a bit about this narrative around a struggle regarding sexual behavior. Apparently has an issue, uh, what he considers a, a, a sex fiction, and sees these locations as something that allows him to... to um, to go to these places and, and it's a temptation for him that he wanted to eliminate and he was pretty much fed up and had been kind of at the end of his rope and, um, and yesterday was a really bad day for him and this is what he did. Did Long listen to Christian Hardcore? I have no idea. But I could see how this angst and anxiety around sexual purity shows up in evangelicalism that the music and Long's actions point to some of the problems in our community around sexuality, sin, and shame. And I wasn't the only one. Without denying that there were many factors at work, journalists began investigating ways that the evangelical focus on sexual purity, like we've heard in these songs, may have played a role in Long's actions. One person interviewed for a New York Times article by Ruth Graham was Bradley Onishi. 
He's a former pastor, current religious studies professor, and co-host of the Straight White American Jesus podcast. In the article, Onishi said that purity culture, quote, teaches women to hate their bodies as a source of temptation, and it teaches men to hate their minds, which leads them to lust and sexual immorality. And he believed that purity culture likely played a part in Long's actions. This got the attention of some evangelical leaders. He received criticism from Al Mohler, Tim Keller, and Jim Daly. Daly is the current president of Focus on the Family. They said it was wrong of Onishi to say that a biblical ethic of sexuality that has existed cross-culturally for millennia was to blame for Long's violence. I had a chance to talk with him about it further. You know, purity culture is really deceiving by design. And I think that it uh, we're seeing that in some of the responses in Atlanta from Al Mohler and from Focus on the Family, Timothy Keller, others. On the surface, people want to make purity culture up to be this. Don't have sex before you're married. That's it. And what they're doing when they say that is uh, ignoring um, all of the other uh aspects of purity culture that come along with it, the gendered aspects, the authoritarian aspects, the patriarchal aspects. And so purity culture tells women, your body is a source of sexual temptation. And so you need to be wary of any moment or instance where you might be a sexual stumbling block to a man, right? The way you dress, the way you flirt, the way you talk, the way you flip your hair, uh, any of those things are potential stumbling blocks. So women are taught to see their bodies as this sort of source of temptation and, uh, and the source of shame. Now, I, I think what's happened over the last 10 or 15 years is so, so, so much great work has come out explaining the undue suffering that purity culture puts on women. Linda K. Klein and Jamie Lee Finch and Sarah Mosliner, and just the list goes on of incredible memoir, scholarship, all that stuff. It's so good. What happens, I think, for men, and I think we do need to talk about this, is that men are taught to hate their minds. So your mind is seen as the source of temptation. Men are told they're visual. Men are told that the lust of their eyes is the primary ways that they will fall. By contrast to women, men are sexually assertive and sexually aggressive. In many ways, men are taught that they are sexual savages who really cannot control themselves, right? And so Mm -hmm. um, one of the things that happens is that if you go to – Uh, A 15-year-old Bible study at at a church, a 20-year-old Bible study at a church, a 25-year-old Bible study at a church, a lot of the talk is about how do we stay sexually pure? How do we not look at things that incite sexual lust? But it also puts uh, the the man in question in the, the category of deviant, that you are now somehow not just sexually sinning or even just sinning, but you're doing so in a way that's extreme and beyond the pale and there's probably something wrong with you and there's probably something really in need of fixing. And so you need to kind of figure that out. And then if we couple that with that individualist framework and the responsibilities on you as an individual to kind of figure it out and going to therapy and these things are often frowned upon, you are really left right with a pretty uh, dire situation mentally and psychologically if you're that person. If you were to make that explicit, what's it like to not have access to therapy be told you are you are exceptionally broken and you are you know 20 years old so yeah you're even you know your prefrontal cortex <laughs> is not fully developed i so for me here I, I you know I, i'll share my experience um you know i grew up 
I, I converted to evangelicalism right before high school, and I was uh, a diehard. I, I gave everything I had to being God's faithful. You know, I grew up in California. I grew up surfing, and I'd get these surfing magazines, and you know, inevitably there would be like advertisements with people in bikinis, like buy these sandals, and there's a, someone in a bikini, and you know, I would rip those out with my eyes closed. Right, I would like go to the page, uh-huh. close my eyes, rip it out, throw it in the garbage, and then go find the next one. Um, and the same went for any other sort of like material in the household, right? Um, Can I swap story for story? Yeah, please. So uh, I got plugged in magazine, which was folks on the family's magazine. <laughs> Sorry to make you laugh as you're taking a drink of water. And uh, I, re- I specifically remember there was a Foxy Brown album cover in there that was like very scantily clad and I did just the opposite so I took my Christian magazine and I cut out (laughs) the picture of Foxy Brown and hid that somewhere (laughs) and that's you know that's that's what happens I mean you know I mean think about those two stories right those are two Mm -hmm. stories of teenage boys who are trying to figure out um, their sexuality their bodies their 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 identities and these are the kinds of sort of situations we're finding ourselves in. Um, it does not create a healthy sense of um, yourself. It does not create a healthy sense of your your mental space. And it also does cr- teach you to hate your body in some sense. I think it's different. Purity culture is mm-hmm. different in this way for men and women. But as a man, I mean, I've shared this too. I used to tell like my accountability partner at church that some days I just wish I was blind because then I couldn't see mm-hmm. and then I couldn't lust and then I wouldn't have to worry so much because every day was a battle of can I not have a sexual thought? And mm-hmm. um, that weighs on you. That, that really right. takes its toll mentally. One of the things that I think is really important for me to, to convey about purity culture is that it is – it does set an exceptional standard for sexual sin. So in evangelical churches, you often hear a sin is a sin is a sin, right? And we have to mm-hmm. repent for all of our sins, big and small. However, you know, when you tell a lie or you uh, don't obey your parents or you um, get angry at a coworker, right? And you you repent for that. You ask for forgiveness for that. You're never told that that will have an irrevocable effect on your being, right? Um Sexually, however, we are taught in purity culture that if you have sex before marriage, if you mess up, if you, um, you know, uh, go too far with your high school uh, sweetheart, you will be irrevocably damaged, right? We There's all of the examples of the piece of gum or the piece of tape that loses its stickiness, the gum that loses its flavor, the blah, blah, blah. So in a way that is different from other sins, we're taught that this will change you forever. You might be forgiven but you won't be the same. And that's scary. If you allow the sexual floodgates to open, that it will take you down a path that you cannot reverse and it will take you out of God's grace. You will lose your salvation. You'll, you'll lose your place in the community. You'll lose your, um, your, your life in, in essence. Right. And so there's this sense where if you don't just manage that sexual impulse, all the time on a moment by moment basis that you may be taken away by floods and currents and rivers and that, that you cannot, you cannot uh, reverse. And so when I hear that from, from long, that's what I think of. I also just want to add that I think when we think about long, 
visiting um, massage parlors and engaging with sex workers, it adds another layer. There's two more layers. One is it's not like Long was 21 and engaged to be married to someone and they were going to get married in six months, but they just couldn't wait. That would have been one thing. In his mind, from the evangelical perspective, this was, I'm going outside of my community. This is, I'm going to extreme or deviant or whatever lengths he would describe it as to sort of feed my sexual appetite. And then as an Asian American, it's very important for me to say, if you throw on top of all of that, another layer of these are foreign women, these are others. These are women outside the pale of, of my community. They're women who I consider um, licentious, dirty, whatever else. I've now entered it. Th- these are not good Christian girls who I just messed up mm-hmm. and we just went too far one day. These are the mm-hmm. kinds of devilish women that I was warned about and I can't resist. So I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know if I can avoid this. I don't know if I can keep myself from this. And so we end up with an unspeakable, unimaginable tragedy. Talking with Brad brought up a lot of questions for me. What can we expect of youth in the church? What can we expect of people in general regarding sexuality? And does Christianity offer any tangible help when we're doing things we don't want to keep doing? I have my own thoughts on what's often termed sexual addiction and the difference between addiction and compulsion behaviors, but we'll get to that next time. What I will say is that this feeling of being stuck in certain behaviors, especially sexual ones, and all the angst that comes with it is very familiar to a lot of us. Here's the song this episode is named after. It's called, Thus From My Lips, By Yours, My Sin Is Purged, a very long title taken from a line in Romeo and Juliet, from an album called, Son, I Loved You At Your Darkest. The band is called Acidies Burn, and this song really captures the despair and anger itself. He says, I keep stepping in and out of the shadow. I want out. You can feel the hopelessness. And eventually, the hopelessness and self-hatred is injected into the classic hymn, Amazing Grace. Shadow. 
In this song, I find both the words and feelings of wanting so badly to change and feeling powerless to do so. That being said, so many of us have felt this way and dealt with it without committing gendered racist violence. Next episode, we're going to talk about what it's like to be in the church when you keep on doing the same sin over and over again. What happens in our spiritual communities when it feels like we keep sinning and we can't stop. And why the ways we've been told to change just don't seem to work sometimes. This has been an episode of the Prophetic Imagination Station podcast. You can follow us on Twitter or Instagram, where DL is often talking about weird bits of Christian media. Find us on the web as well. Also, we love getting emails from listeners. You can find all the links to those in the description of this episode. You can support the show on Patreon and get monthly extra episodes on evangelical culture for as little as $1.50 a month. We've talked about things like Brio Magazine, WOW 1999, and a lot of other throwbacks to evangelical culture. Deal's book, Myth of the American Dream, is available anywhere you get your books. And lastly, artwork for this season was designed by Zach Bard and theme music by Forrest Johnson. Thanks for listening. <laughs>